listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. So good to be with you this morning, and uh, it, it's great to be here. If you've been uh, at the church for a little while now, you know that we're in a season really focused on relationships, where we've been diving into everything about relationships. And with that, we've done this teaching series called Uncommon Love, where we're taught, where we're really, it's really a book study where we're going through verse by verse through the Song of Solomon. And if you've been with us, you know that the Song of Solomon is difficult to understand. And my promise for you today is that I'm going to do my best to do the hard work and help decipher some of the uh, some of the parts of the Song of Solomon that can be really difficult to understand. And so, as we jump into this message today, I just want to recap a little bit of what we've talked about over the past couple of weeks and uh, give you an idea on where we're going, all right? This Song of Solomon, this book of the Bible, was a book that was really devoted, Solomon devoted this group, or the, this book to really doing this, to describe human love. And not only does he describe uh, human love, but he describes it in graphic detail, everybody. It is a very detailed book. And uh, what really he wants us to get from this is that God's way not only works, like God's way of love not only works, but everybody, hey, it's better, everybody. It's so much better that not only is God's way good, but it's better. And uh, today we're going to jump into a topic that might seem a little strange to you. You probably haven't been to a church service that has talked about this. Um, in much detail. If that is the case and it's your first time, I just want to apologize off the bat because we do not talk about the topic of lovemaking every week. (laughs) Uh, It is one of those very strange Sundays that you just so happen to be here. Uh, But nevertheless, we're going to talk about God's way uh, because really where we're picking up in the Song of Solomon is Solomon's honeymoon night. Like they're at the hotel, everybody. The wedding's over. They're at the hotel. And really what the topic today is godly intimacy, where where we're talking about really what happens there. Uh, But before we get into that topic, I want to tell you where we're going, because we've got two weeks left in this series. Uh, The the next week, uh, we're talking about, which (laughs) I think it's kind of funny, after after the lovemaking, they immediately get into a fight, everybody. And so uh, we're going to talk about conflict next week and how to resolve conflict. And then we're going to end this series in two weeks on just talking about how to have a lasting love. How to have a love that just that, that, that never ends, how, how, how to just be in love. And so it's, it's going to be a great series, but every week we've started with this verse. This really is our theme verse for the series. It's Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It starts by saying, this is Solomon's Song of Songs. This means that he wrote a song, and this is the best of his, uh, this is the best of all the songs that he wrote. So this is the best of the best, and Solomon's, uh, Solomon's soon-to-be wife, of now wife, Wife in this story, she talks, the Shulamite woman, she talks here and she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. What she's saying here, she's talking about Solomon. He, she's essentially just saying Solomon, the way that Solomon loves is so much better than everybody else. 
There's just something about him that's just so much better. In fact, she says it's more delightful than a good wine, everybody. He, he's, just, he's just so, just the way that he loves is so much better. And by the way, when we talk about love today, I, I, I want you to always put it in this context. It's so much more than your spouse because some of us, we aren't married or some of us, we're separated. Whatever the case may be for you, it's so much more than the, your spouse. I think we need to look at it in the context of the way that we begin to treat people, the way that we treat our kids, the way that we treat our employer. I, I, I think that's really the context of love that we should be looking at it here. But Solomon, Solomon's soon-to-be wife says that, hey, you're so much better than everybody else. And she says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder all the other women, no wonder they're after you, Solomon, because she, what she was just saying here was that everywhere that Solomon goes, there's just like this fragrance. There's just like this, because Solomon is there, because he's in the room, it's just better. And so she says that, Solomon, you're like no one else, and it's no wonder everybody wants you. How many of you want, you want to be like that? It's no wonder everybody wants to, uh, wants to be with you. And that's what, that is what she's saying here. And today, we're going to go into graphic detail, really about the sexual relationship uh, that Solomon had uh, with, with this woman. And uh, I just want to remind you that this is a PG-13 weekend. Uh, this message is quite graphic, but let me give you this promise that we're not going to be any more graphic than the Bible. And so uh, in order to get us into this, I want to remind us of our ground rules that we've set. In fact, I'm going to give you the two ground rules that we've set the past two weeks, and then I'm going to add some ground rules because this message needs some more rules, everybody. Uh, Here's the first ground rule, and you guys know this. When you listen to this message, don't be poking your neighbor, elbowing your spouse. Don't be thinking about it for somebody else. Like, hey, take it in. This message is for you. Listen to this for yourself. That's the first rule. The second rule is, especially in this area, don't be looking back. Because every one of us, I'm sure so many of us, we've made mistakes in this area. We all have a past. We all have some cleaning up to do. And so what do we do? We just let Jesus make all things new. He's in the business of making all things new, everybody. By the way, that's what he wants to do in your life. He desires to do that in your life. He desires to take your your old, dirty, filthy life and to clean it up. That's what he wants to do. And so those are the two that we've set for the series. But I wanted to give you a couple more ground rules as it relates to today's topic just to get us started. Here's the first one. This is not in your notes, but I, I threw this up here. Uh, If you want to just write this down, you need to understand as we get into this message that the devil didn't create sex. I think we have this big idea that uh, because the church is afraid to talk about this topic, we think that it's this 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 sexual uh, this sexual topic is from the devil, but it's not. The devil didn't create sex. God did, everybody. And I say that because, honestly, I think the church, just the the global church in general, has been horribly silent on this topic, uh, although the Bible is just not. The Bible is not silent on this topic. There's lots of verses about healthy, godly sex. And honestly, that you just need to understand that the devil didn't create it. But here's what the devil did. The devil did pervert it. The devil took something that was holy and pure and something that was, that was meant to really enhance your life, and he took it to a whole different level that it wasn't ever intended to, to, to be. And I, I take this personally because I'm, I'm, here I am, 22 years old, trying to pastor people, everybody, and, I, and the devil and the world is really defining this issue. They're defining what it should look like. They're saying what it should look like. They're, and can I tell you, they're wrong. God's way 
is the best way. And I know that might sound weird uh, in the beginning here, but God's way of sex is the best way. And God's, God has blessings upon blessings uh, for your relationships that really the world cannot give you. But here's the catch. In order for you to get those blessings, in order for you to experience that intimacy, you have to do it God's way. And I'm just a firm believer that what God says is true and that God's way, I just, I just so happen to believe that God knows better than me and that God's way is the best way and that his way works. But the problem for so many of us is, is that we, we, we've stepped out of God's way. And every time that we step out of God's way, we have these destructive consequences and, and to where I think a lot of people think well, when we say something like that, we always think that, oh, well, it sounds like God is trying to restrict me. Like, I, I, I'm just living this restricted life. That's not what he's trying to do at all, by the way. That, that, that's not what he wants. No, instead, he, he, it, it might look like restrictions to you, but what he's actually doing is protecting you. He's wanting to, he's trying to bless you even more. I just so happen to believe that God wants to give you the type of intimacy that the world could never produce, everybody. That no matter how many people you sleep with, it could never produce the type of intimacy that God can produce and that God can give you. That's the first rule. You just need to understand this, that God created sex, and, and, and that's, amen, everybody. And <laughs> here's another amen that you're going you're gonna to love this. Men and women are very different. The second ground rule for today is that you just need to understand that men and women are just very different, that you're not going to see eye to eye on everything. And by the way, which I believe that's God's design, and you might say, well, why in the world would God do that? I think it's just because God is trying to bring your best into relationships. I think, I think God made men and women different because I, I, I think that when, when you're different and when you begin to understand and serve each other, that's where intimacy goes to its highest level. That is where, where, where you just begin to, where, where, you, where you appreciate the other person in the relationship and you begin to serve them. In fact, I heard a quote this week that said this, that the greatest relationships in the world are two servants that are just in love. Like how awesome is, think about that for just a minute. That, that's, that's just the truth. And so what I, want, what I want to do today, I want you to understand, is I don't want you, don't despise the differences between you and your spouse. Because there are differences. Especially when it comes to this idea of sex, everybody. I think everybody knows there's a lot of differences. In fact, when it comes to sex, we all know that men are like microwaves. And women are like crockpots, everybody. You know, it's just, that's just. It's just, it's just the truth. I, in, fact, in fact, a lot of weird study time went into this message. And uh, looking into some facts, let me give you some facts this morning. Uh, yeah, you're, you might be a little disturbed by this one. I was, but anyway, I thought it was, I should, when it comes to that topic, they actually say it's physically possible for a man to be ready for sex in less than seven seconds. That's crazy. I think women, I think, are more like <laughs> light a candle, you know, go take a shower first, you know, <laughs> like, 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 hey, hey, you just, you just get ready. Like, I, well, and it's just the, the truth. Like, women are invested in the journey, men about the destination, everybody, men, <laughs> men, men are motivated by what they see, and women often motivated by what they hear, right? And so you might say, well, why, why is there so many differences. Well, why did God do that? Well, I believe that it's because he's just, he's trying to bring you into a place where you can say, you know what, I'm going to understand you 
As, as, as my spouse, I'm going to understand you and I'm going to serve you in that way. And I think that's where you really can find the highest level of intimacy. You have to, and, and, and I just want you, I, I bring these extra points to you today because you, you just need to listen to this within this context. You need to understand these two things before we dive into the message, all right? All right. So here we go, everybody. Put on your seatbelts. <laughs> Buckle up. Uh, here, we, here we are. We find Solomon. They're at the, they're at the hotel now. They're at the honeymoon. And uh, she, <laughs> which, by the way, this is interesting. As we start this, uh, as we start this uh, scripture, uh, we, we know that the, the, the woman here, she has talked. Uh, she's quite literally talked about 75% of the time up to this point in the book. She, she has talked the vast majority of the time. And uh, guess what? Now he begins the talking when it comes to this uh, subject here. And uh, in fact, there's actually, uh, as we begin here, there's actually 11 verses uh, before he even begins to touch her. And uh, which, man, you might need to write that down. That might help you. Uh, <laughs> here's the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 1. He just, he, he begins, Solomon just begins by, uh, it's her honeymoon night, telling his wife, he just says, oh, how, how beautiful you are, my darling, oh, how beautiful. And what he does here from here on out, he, he's just going to start at the top of her body, and he's going to work his way down. Look at what he says here. He says, your eyes, your eyes behind your veil are, do- are doves. What he's saying here is that from this, from this point on, he, he really hasn't gotten a good look into her eyes. She's, she's been veiled, it's, and that's why you wear the traditional veil when you uh, get married. And so he's, he's now just beginning to look at her eyes. And then she, he says the, the all-famous line, your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. And, and it's like, I don't know if I would say that to start my uh, sexual relationship in the bedroom there, but... Uh, it had, it had a beautiful meaning, everybody. It has, it has a beautiful meaning, and, uh, it, and men, don't write it down. It's, uh, <laughs> the, the meaning behind it is, is, is if, if you understand it in context, Mount Gilead uh, had these black-haired goats that were all on the side of the mountain, and they would, uh, they would run down the mountain, and as they would run down the mountain, it would like create this trickle effect. And so what he's saying here is, is essentially like all Hebrew women here, she probably had her hair up. And this was the point now where she's, she's taking her hair out and she's doing, you know, like one of these, everybody, you know, I, 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 that's just the truth. That, that, that's what this is meaning here. And, and she's just shaking it loose. And uh, she, she is quite literally undressing in front of him, everybody. This is the Bible. This is, this is the Bible. And, then, and then, he, she said, then he says this. He says, oh, your teeth, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. He's saying here, he's saying that your, your breath smells good. Your teeth are white. And guess what? They're all there, everybody. <laughs> Each... Each one has one. Aren't you thankful for that? That's what he was. <laughs> you say, well, what does that teach us? So there are two things if you're taking notes. Number one, she's not a hockey player. And number two, she's not, or she, she just might, she's not from Arkansas, everybody. She's not. <laughs> Got to throw a little zinger in there. But uh, I'm just kidding. I think I had somebody in here last night that was from Arkansas. That didn't go over well. Uh, Let's, let's keep, he's just, he's working his way down. He says this, he says, your lips, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. 
your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Again, just kind of like, huh, uh, yeah. Uh, but it, well, he's just mean in here. She's the, the red, she's blushing here, everybody. She's just got this redness in her cheeks. And then he says something kind of confusing, but I think it's a great line. Uh, he says this, he says, your neck is like the Tower of David, built with elegance on it. Uh, on it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors, to where we're like, what in the world does that mean? I, I, I'm a little confused by that verse. Uh, is he calling her a giraffe or like, <laughs> I, I don't know. But that, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying here is just uh, essentially the way that she carries herself. He, he's saying the way that you carry yourself, like you're just, you're beautiful when you walk in the room. Meaning just with, with, with her, this is really just meaning that she walks in with her head held high. That she just, when, when, she, when she comes in the room, she just demands a respect. And that, that, that's just, that's, that's who she is. And I, I want you to just remember, if you were here in the past couple of weeks, you remember that as we began this series, the first week of this series, this woman, she really didn't think she was all that. She really didn't think she was all that attractive. Remember, she said she, she was dark. She was, uh, she, she, was, she was dirty from working outside. She really didn't feel all that attractive. And here comes her husband coming in and saying, you know what, no, you're, you're, you're not like that. Here's who you are. And before he even touches her, he, begins, he goes down and just says, you're gorgeous. Let me tell you all the ways that you, you're gorgeous. Your eyes, your hair, your lips. What is he doing here? Well, here's the first point. Here's what you need to understand is that godly sex is affirming. Godly sex is affirming. Before it ever gets physical, it's affirming. Where I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you how much you mean to me. Listen, if I've ever passed on anything to help you, I, I hope, and I, I've talked a lot about this topic in the past uh, couple months, but you need to know that your words are just it, so important. And can I just say, especially you men, your words are so important when it comes to this context. I mean, ladies, I, I, I have no idea how you do it, but it's like my wife, she can remember whatever, everything that I say, even if it's from like five or six years ago, she's like, you remember when I said this? And that, it, it's, I don't know how you do it, but it, it, it's just the truth. And that's, honestly, that's how powerful words are. In fact, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And that it's just the simple truth. Listen, your spouse needs that affirmation. Men, your spouse, your, your, your wife, they, they, they need affirmation in how they look, in, in their beauty. Women, oftentimes we've talked about this. They, men, we need affirmation in what we do and our accomplishments. I just think one of the dumbest things, especially when it comes to this, this sexual part of life, I think one of the dumbest things a man could ever do is to make a comment about his, his woman in a degrading way. Like it just, it, 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 it hurts. I, I, I just believe it, it hurts their soul. In fact, look at, look at what Proverbs 25, 11 says here. It says a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. How many of you just don't even know what apples of gold and settings of silver is, but you know it's something good, everybody. Like it, it, it's literally two metaphors here. Basically just saying like you're, you're valuable and you're beautiful. Essentially what, what this verse is talking about is that a word aptly spoken is just essentially by you, you just saying like there's none like you. What if you would just begin to tell your spouse that? Like if I could just pass on any relationship truth to you and not just to your spouse, but I mean you can take this to the office, take this to your kids. Here's the truth is that we, we speak to people not in what we see, 
but we, we speak to them by who we see they can become. We, 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 you, you never, listen, you never come in here uh, and, and hear me talk about all just the, all the horrible stuff you did this week, which by the way, we've all done it. We've all done things that have displeased God this week. And uh, it, like, I, I, I know, I, 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 could, I could spend time hounding you for that. But can I tell you as your pastor, I would rather just spend time telling you who you can become. I would rather tell you the potential that God has inside of you. In fact, I, when I look at the teachings of Jesus, I just see that's what he did. Like that, that is who Jesus was. Jesus, every person that he approached, he, he, he didn't just highlight all their sins. He didn't, take a, he didn't take a whole chapter just to tell about their sins. No, he may have spoke to them a, a little bit, but, but not, he didn't just speak to them. Instead, he spent the vast majority of his time teaching, speaking to people on who they could become. He called out the gifts in them. He called out who, who they were and who they could become. And can I just tell you, I, I just wanna encourage you, you can do that to anyone. You can do that. You need to do that to your coworkers sometime. You need to do that to your family, parents. You have kids. You need to do that to your kids. Like when they do something wrong, you just need to say, you know what? This is not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who you can be. And listen, and when we do things like that, we just begin to change the narrative when we tell people who they are. Listen, you married men, you, you, you need to use this. I mean, every once in a while, when, won't you just send your wife a text? Just say, hey, I know I might be in a meeting right now, but I'm thinking about you, everybody. Like, I, I, like, like what, what would happen if we just appreciated it, if we just did this, if we just started to affirm our spouse? And can I tell you, public affirmation even means so much more. Buy, buy your lady flowers and send it to her, the place that she works or what, wherever she goes during the day. I, I tell you, it'll make a difference, everybody. It'll, it'll make a difference because godly sex, we affirm people. That's, that, that's what we're called to do. That's what Solomon is showing us here is that we need to affirm before we even touch, we affirm. I want you to watch the next one here. Uh, it goes on uh, to say here in chapter, in chapter four, verse five, this is, is where it gets fun, everybody. Uh, he, he says, your two breasts, they're, they're like two fawns, like, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. You're like, well, what is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. He's, he's saying, you know, like, you, you know what it's like to have two little deer out in the field, right? Like you hunters, you know what it's like to have two little deer out in the field. What do you do? You got to come in slowly, right? Like you're not just going to, you're not just going to, hey, Fonz, you know, like the, what he's saying, what's Solomon saying? Solomon's saying they're going to run away, everybody, if, you, if that is the case. And you, and they, don't you just love the Bible? I, what's he teaching us here? Here's what he's teaching. He's saying that godly sex is tender. Godly sex is tender. Listen, she wasn't just the object of passion for his personal use. It's not what he, that's not what she was. She wasn't just there to just fulfill all of his fantasies. No. He realized that his primary job was to be tender with her. And I think it, it, the, the truth here is, is that men, we desire responsiveness and, and women so much more like, like this tenderness. I, listen, I'm, I'm, it's, it's this idea, when we talk about this idea, it's the idea that I'm just not going to do anything to you that cheapens you. I'm not going to do anything to you that just degrades you. 
In fact, one time, really weird, talk about all the weird questions pastors get asked. This is one question, one really weird question that I got asked one time. And uh, this, this one is towards the top of the list. Asking, what is appropriate in the bedroom? What's appropriate in the marriage bed, essentially? And I, I didn't have an answer for it at the time, but I was like, oh, Wow, that is, that is just not something that I want to talk about after church service, everybody. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I think they, they just asked this question, like, can we be creative in the bedroom? And I would, say, I would say yes. In regards to this, I think you just need to bounce it off on how the woman feels uh, about it. Like, I would just let her be the judge of what's okay. So nothing, basically, you're, you're just protecting that so nothing ever happens that would cheapen her. We, we, we just value, we, we, we should value her. And that's, that's really what godly sex is. Godly sex is tender. Let's move on to the next one here. I want you to understand this is uh, we find it in verse six here. He says, how long, do they, how long do they do this, everybody? They do it until the day breaks, everybody, all night long. <laughs> that, that is uh, where the song came from. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it, until the day breaks and until the shadows flee. I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. Notice there's two of those. And yes, that is what he's talking about there. Uh, what, is, what, is he, what is he doing? Actually, here's what Solomon's doing. He, he, he is being romantic. In fact, I would say this, that godly sex isn't boring. No, instead, it's passionate. It's passionate. I think so many people, especially when it comes to this area, they really do think that if I give my life to God, I'm just going to have this boring, mundane life where I can never have any fun and, and all this different stuff. So many people think that if, if they really go after God, I'm just going to be bored. And that's not the case at all. Like, like they, they, they literally think, well, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven one day, but I'm not going to have any fun along the way. That's, that's not it. That's a lie from the pit of hell, everybody. That's not, that's not at all. That's, I, I think that's what the devil wants you to believe because then he wants you to believe that so then he can throw all of his counterfeits in so that he can say, well, if you would just begin to do this, then you could have some fun. And can I tell you, it does nothing but destroy our life. Can I tell you that God wants you to have life and he wants you to live it to the full, especially, can I just say, especially in this area, especially in this area of marital intimacy here. But honestly, Here's what we know, and here's the truth, and a lot of us aren't going to like this point, but it's the truth. It's that passion takes effort. Passion takes effort, everybody. It's not just automatic. In fact, I hear so many people, it's just this culture that we live in where people just say, well, we're, we're just not in love anymore. Our, 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 the grass is greener on the other side. Can, can I say, that's not the truth. Can I tell you, the grass is greener where you water it, everybody. And it's just the simple truth, it, the fact that it just takes effort. And so when people say, oh, well, we're just not in love anymore. Listen, I, we, I, I hear this all the time in different relationships. Well, listen, you're not going to be in love when you don't put any effort towards it. It takes work. In fact, I would say this, that anything important in your life 
takes work. Anything from your job to your house to your spouse, it, it takes work. In fact, we talked a little bit about this last night in the service where we talked about one of the things that we really love, one of the things that I love in the summertime, which hopefully is around the corner, everybody, tired of the snow. Uh, but one of the things that I, I love in the summer is a pool, everybody. How many of you love to be at the pool? Yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. But it, <laughs> this year, dad offered me the pool to take because you know why? It takes a lot of work, everybody. It, 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 I, I love a pool, but it's a lot of work. It's expensive. There's, you got to buy chemicals for it. You got to clean it every day. You got to check the little pH balance. And I, I don't, you just got to do all this different stuff. That it's just so much work. But we love the pool and we love so much about it. But guess what? It takes work. And that's what passion takes work. In fact, you did this probably when you found your spouse, everybody, that it wasn't just easy. You didn't just show up one day and say, hi, let's get married. No, you put some work into getting your spouse. I put a lot of work into getting Emily, everybody like that. I put so much work into it, but I would just encourage you because this is the temptation. Like when we got married, it was like, oh, the Sign, sealed, delivered, everybody. Like, hey, we're, it's done. I don't have to work for it anymore. Guess what? I have to work harder now. <laughs> like, I, I, it, it, that's not the case. And when you stop working for it, man, it, it, it's, it's not good. But just, I would just encourage you men, don't let it stop. Keep buying those flowers. Come on, ladies. Amen me at, at that point. And, yeah. I, I, like, and uh, <laughs> I mean, just, just buy those chocolates. Buy those flowers. It, just just do, do something to keep the intimacy alive, to keep the passion alive. Which, by the way, you ladies can do that, too. Uh, I, <laughs> I'd encourage you, just stop coming to bed in those spacesuits, everybody. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> I swear. I'm going to tell on Emily. Emily's probably got a gown that's like 10 inches thick, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> you could put a solar flare next to that thing, and it wouldn't, like nothing would. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you can help in both ways, everybody. <laughs> I, pick on, I pick on men a lot. Let's just pick on you women. I'm just saying, romance, it, it takes a lot of effort. And I tell you this because... Uh, because honestly, the devil will offer you a counterfeit to that that is a whole lot easier and a whole lot less effort for you to get. But can I tell you, it doesn't work, and it'll begin to destroy your life. Listen, he quite literally, he has it on your smartphone today. He'll give you something that takes a whole lot less effort. And yeah, you might think you're not doing anything by it, but I, I, it will destroy your life. Don't let him do it. Which leads us to the next one. I want you to look, look at the next one here in verse 7. He goes, Solomon goes on to say, Oh, all beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Which we know from the beginning of the story that she is flawed, right? I mean, she, she admitted it in the beginning. If you've been with us the past couple of weeks, she literally admitted that she was flawed. But here's what Solomon did. Solomon decided to do something very important here, which, by the way, I think every relationship needs this and could use this. And you need this, by the way, you need this not just in your marriage, but you need this uh, from me as your pastor. You need this on your job from your boss. You need them to validate you for who you are. You need that. And that's what he's doing here. He was literally just saying, 
I, quite literally, when he says there's no flaw in you, he was just literally saying, you know what? You're the standard. You're the standard. Which, which by the way, I, I think that's why, let's talk about pornography for a little bit. I think that's why, uh, that's why porn is so destructive. Because some of you, 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 you've let the devil lie to you and say, oh, well, this is, it, it's not hurting anyone. It's just me and my mind. It, it's, not, it's not hurting anything. Let me, tell you, let, let me tell you quite literally what's happening in your mind. When you watch pornography, you're literally changing the standard to that. Which, by the way, is something that your wife will never, ever be able to step up to. You're changing the standard to something that, is so, that, 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 that your wife will never, ever be able to match. Instead, if you would just begin to stay off of that, if you would stop looking to the world for the standard, can I just, let, let me just tell you, the standard for the rest of you ladies out there, the rest of the ladies on the planet for me is Emily. She is the standard and there's no one like her. She, there, there's no one, you're, you are all trying to catch up to her and I need to believe that and she needs to believe that about me as well. Listen, that's, it's because godly sex is secure. Godly sex is secure. Where you have this relationship where you can say, you know what, I, I, I understand that you value me. So because I know that you value me, I don't have to hide. I don't have to be ashamed. I, 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 I just have this value. I am secure. Godly sex needs to be secure. I want you to watch what happens in the rest of this story. Uh, let's look at the verse here. Song of Solomon 4, uh, 9 through 11 says this. It says, he says, you, you, you've stolen my heart. My sister, my bride, you have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride, how much more pleasing is your love than wine? And the fragrance, does this, does this remind you of anything? And the fragrance of your perfume than any spice. If you recognize that verse, it's, the same, it's, it's almost the same verse as we began in the beginning. Remember, he, she was speaking that to him. And now he's speaking it back to her. He's speaking back to her what she said about him in the beginning. Look, he goes on to say, your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. And this is quite honestly where you get the first of the physical contact here in, in, in this love-making scene. You're getting the first physical contact between the couple here. And the Bible actually doesn't let us see the rest of their love-making in fact, this is actually the end of the physical content. In fact, it, it, this, this one last part is the end here. Milk and honey are under your tongue, which quite honestly sounds like a French kiss in your Bible, everybody. I think that's what it is. But by the way, 1900 years before France was ever a nation, by the way. Uh, so I think this is a Hebrew kiss. Uh, that, that's just what it is. But, uh, which, by the way, I, 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 just, I wrote in my notes, and I just wanted to pause here. And uh, this is not, what I'm going to say here is not scripture. This is just my personal opinion. Uh, a lot of young couples will ask, how far is too far? Um, I would say, personally, I don't mind a serious relationship to have a kiss. But I would watch this. I, I wouldn't be doing this open mouth Hebrew kiss, everybody. This, this under the tongue kiss or whatever, whatever it says here. 
Uh, I, I wouldn't be doing that because, I, quite honestly, I believe that you start a process that God designed for completion. You start something, and, and, and can I just tell you, it, it will demand completion. Can I tell you that God never, intend, God never intended for the process of sex to be interrupted? That's not how he designed it. No, it will demand completion. And I'm, I'm just, I'm very serious about this. It's because when, when we get this far, I just think we start that process that is not meant to be stopped. So I just watch, I, I, I would just watch this, but we'll, we'll go on. I'll get off my soapbox, give you some, give you some more scripture here. It says this, you, you are a garden locked up. My sister, my bride, you are a spring enclosed. You're a sealed fountain. Look at what he's valuing here now. He, he's essentially saying, you know what I appreciate about you the most? I, I, I appreciate that you waited for me. That, and that out of everyone else, you waited for me. Which, by the way, I'm not naive enough today to think that everyone in this room is a virgin. That's not the case at all. Because I, I know when we read verses like this, you, oftentimes you, can, you, you, you feel like, well, I, I can't ever live up to this. I can't, I, I've, I've already gone too far. I can't live up to that standard. Can I tell you that's not true? You can absolutely have this verse because godly sex is holy. And you might say, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, in order for it to make sense to you, you need to understand what holiness is. Can I tell you that holiness, it's, it, it's, holiness is not people that are perfect. I think that's what a lot of us think. We think that holiness is people who have never messed up. No, holiness is actually people who have been forgiven, everybody. That's what holiness is. Listen, I, I, I'm not holy because I'm perfect. Because listen, like everybody else, I, I will go on way too far. I'm, 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 I'm not perfect. And many of you in this room, you're the same way. But can I tell you from this day forward, you can say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm gonna apply the blood of Jesus to my life. And can I just tell you what that does? The Bible says that, it, he, that Jesus not only forgives you, but he says he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, meaning he makes you holy again. Listen, I don't care how much you've messed up to this point. Let me just, I, I, I wanted to stop here and just explain the gospel to you because I, I just think I, I, you, you need to understand this here. The gospel really is this in, in, in just four short points if you wanna take notes. I, I think the gospel can be summed up like this, that God has a standard. Of course he does. And you think there's no way that you can do it and you're right, everybody. There's no way that you can live up to his standard. So you know what happened? I, although he has a standard, he knew that you couldn't live up to it. So he sent Jesus to die for your violation of it. Because every one of us, every, every single one of us has done something outside of the will of God. And can I tell you, when he died for it, when he died for it, he paid for it and he cleansed you from it. He made you holy. But you might say, well, I still don't feel holy. I still don't feel like that. Well, that's why he gave you the Bible. And the Bible illuminates your life in it. That's why you're here at church today. That's what you do every week. You keep coming to church. You keep taking notes. And that, because it's illuminating your life. It, it, it's showing you the right path. But you say, but I, I, I still got a problem with it. I still don't feel holy. Well, can I tell you, that's why he sent the Holy Spirit to empower you to live in it. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower you to live in holiness. And can I tell you, this is the gospel. And we invite you into that process today. Can I just tell you that you can leave here today holy 
and clean and pure. And you can come back next week and be illuminated even more by the Bible. And can I tell you, it's a process, but I promise you the Holy Spirit will begin to change you from the inside out. It'll start that process of holiness in your life. And I have to say this to you because some, uh, so many of us, we, we've just gone way too far in this area of sexuality. And we feel like that our godly sex, it, can, it can't ever be holy. We're living in a generation, a whole generation of just broken people. But listen today, you need to understand this. You're, at least here, you're loved and you're valued. You're welcome here. Listen, we've all been through things similar and we welcome you into the process of healing and hope and restoration today in Jesus name. That's what we're here for. So I don't, I, after, after, we, after we set the entire standard for sex today, the last thing I would want you to do is leave here condemned. That's not what this message is about. I want you to realize that you can have God's best in this area of this area of sexuality here. And so you say, well, <laughs> I was thinking about this this week. I'm like, how in the world do you close a message on sex, everybody? Like, how, how do you close a message on sex? I just immediately thought of this verse here. Be ye doers of the word, everybody. I just, I thought somebody would laugh at that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. When it comes to the area of sex, be ye doers of the word. But uh, I'm just kidding. That's a fake verse. I just threw it in my notes for fun. Here's the real verse. Uh, chapter 4, verse 15 says this, you are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. I want you to notice, she, the past two Sundays, if you've been here, they've literally said, do the friends speak up and say, hey, do not awaken love too early. Do not awaken this thing too early. Look at how it ends today. Instead of do not awaken love, she says, awake, <laughs> awake north wind. And come south wind, blow on my garden, which is her body, that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice of fruits. You might say that is a strange verse. What in the world are we seeing here? Here's just to sum it up. We're seeing passion here at a level that way too many people have never been able to experience. We're seeing passion at a level that so many people will never experience. Listen, God is trying to bring you to a level of intimacy that is so much better. It's so much better than what the world could ever offer you. God's level of intimacy is so much better. In fact, as we end today, would you write this down? Write this down and we're going to pray together. That God's way isn't just right. It's better. It's so much better. Write it down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your way isn't just the right way. But God, we thank you that your way is so much better. Lord, we thank you that when it comes to every area in our life, you give us the best way. God, today we just take some time. Lord, as a church, we take some time to just confess our sins to you. 
Lord, we confess every unholy, unrighteous thing that we've done, and especially in this area of intimacy. God, we, stay, we stand here today just saying we're sorry. Lord, we just ask you to forgive us. Lord, we just ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we thank you that you sent your son so that we can have that freedom. God, help us, help those in this room that, man, those that just don't feel holy, Lord, Lord, cleanse their hearts right now today. Lord, help them to feel your spirit and to cleanse them. Lord, we thank you that your way of intimacy is better. Lord, we ask that you would just begin to strengthen that for us. God, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for teaching us in every area of our life. We praise your name today. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're in this room today and you say you, you've messed up in this area, you need some cleansing and you need Jesus to do this for you. The good news is, like we said in the beginning of this message, is that our God is a God of fresh starts. He would love nothing more than to give you a new beginning and to cleanse you and make you holy and pure yet again. If that's you in this room and you say, I need to be cleansed, I need to give Jesus my life today. I need to recommit my life to him. If that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me? And we're, if, you, if you pray it and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that when you do that, <laughs> This God that we've been talking about, he'll live inside of you. You, you. He'll give you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. If that's you today, uh, let's pray this together. In fact, church, because we all believe this, just repeat this after me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info.